I was getting the door slammed in my face all the time. I was messing yeah. up all the time. And as human beings, we're, we need validation yes. to feel good and to feel like you're on the right track. And I think there is a funny sort of like condition that entrepreneurs have where they don't get discouraged. Like I didn't, I was discouraged, but I was able to be like, oh, but there, th- tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Or this is the silver lining or this is what I've learned. And it's a really transformative process. Get this. On average, we spend more than a month every year just thinking about what are we going to eat? Imagine if you could have that month back. What would you accomplish? That very thought has driven Nicole Centeno to build an incredible business. She's the founder and CEO of Splendid Spoon, which delivers ready-to-eat, nutrient-dense, plant-based smoothies and soup nationwide. Coming up, you'll hear how simply by dedicating brain energy to her business, Nicole accomplished so much in just five years. How she had a baby and actually went to work the next day. The power of resilience and not giving up, learning from the hard moments instead of letting them beat you. Getting to a million dollars a month in sales with just six people. And how Nicole might actually be a real life superwoman. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Nicole, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Walk us through your career path leading up to Splendid Spoon. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I really think my career path started when I was really little because food is such a powerful force for me and has been for all Mm -hmm. of my life. So it really starts in the garden with my mom. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Like growing peas and lettuces and tomatoes and herbs Um, and also like peeking my head in the kitchen and trying to get into the pots and pans on the stove and um, the memories I have around the table, like that is really where my journey started is with food and being sort of like taken by the wonder of it. Where did you grow up? Where was this garden? I mean, this was just in the suburbs of New England. (laughs) It was like a tiny little patch, you know, the size of like you know, a door, right? It's like a really tiny sort of like four by six patch. But for me, it was it was like a communion with the earth and like it smelled really lovely and seeing it all transform in the kitchen was magic. And um, so, so you grew up in the garden with your mom. Yep. Uh, and then once you were ready to go off to college, what and did you then, decide to do? Yeah, exactly. And then I decided that I was going to study how it all actually worked. So I became – I was biology major. And I studied in a biochemistry lab. Um, that was where all of my independent study happened. I worked on um, diet therapies as treatment for epilepsy. So we looked at fasting and the ketogenic diet and how it changes your body and changes your body's response to different genetic um, disorders. And that was really fascinating for me and really kind of like galvanized Mm -hmm. this connection of food to the body. Um, At that time, I also struggled with an eating disorder. So that power of food, that wonder had turned into something kind of like scary for me. Um, 
And a lot of my path out of that was mindfulness and instead of like trying to find ways out of those behaviors, first like really acknowledging and accepting where those behaviors were coming from and sitting down and journaling and um, I slowly kind of like let go of these really destructive behaviors in that way. Part of my healing was also going to culinary school. So after college, I moved to New York. I got into a career in media. I worked at Condé Nast, oh. um, which was very, very different than being in the lab. Storytelling, brand building, like understanding how a corporate environment functions. How did you end up there with a with a biology background? I <laughs> I knew I didn't want to stay in the lab. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I was really excited initially by the deep focus of being in a lab and looking at all of the mechanisms of how something that you eat changes how you can behave or or feel. Um, But ultimately, I'm such a relationships person, like really understanding people, how we engage. um, That is a big part of what feeds me. And I wasn't getting enough of that in the lab. So I had a friend who was at Condé Nast and I was like, is there kind of like a sciencey title that maybe I would feel good about working for? And so I worked at Wired. Ah. Yeah. And so you were a writer there? I worked on the business side. So I was on ad strategy, digital strategy. Ah. Yeah. So it was Wired, Reddit, Ars Technica, like very sort of technical, sciencey, geeky content. How long were you there before you decided to go to culinary school? So I was there um, at Wired specifically for three years. I went to a couple other titles at Bonnier. Um, I was working on Sever, Pop Science. and then came back to Condé Nast. And it was a moment for me where I was like, I've tried a few different places here. Something is not clicking. Mm-hmm. I don't feel totally fueled by mm-hmm. what I'm doing. What is it that fuels me? And I just I, – it was like I was transported right back into the garden with my mom and in the kitchen. And I knew that there was something there that I needed to follow. And I decided to go to culinary school at night. So it was kind of like – Really, I'm very much someone who just like I lead with my heart. I'm very instinct driven. And I so I was like, I'm just going to test this. I'm going to continue working so I can pay to go to culinary school and I'm going to see how far it takes me. And I went to the French Culinary Institute in the city so that I could kind of like try and do it all. (laughs) (laughs) What were the first few months like in culinary school? Uh, Hard. You know, I think it was a little bit like a boot camp. Um, The instructors there had all worked at really, really high-end fine dining restaurants all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it was really classic training. So they started you from – with just your knife skills. And then you had a whole week that was on eggs, um, one that was on like making fish stocks. You know, you started really from – just the basics. And I loved that. You know, similar to my focus in um, college on like a single subject, I loved really focusing on just technique and trusting that if I could master some of these things, I would have more freedom. I would be able to experiment even more when I went back into the kitchen. And then how did Splendid Food come to be? (laughs) So... I mean, those first few months in culinary school were really hard because it was like I would go to school at night. I wouldn't get home until midnight or so. I would 
wake up in the morning, go to work in a very different environment, um, and then do it all over again. So it was really physically difficult. Mm -hmm. And that was a big signal to me that I was doing something that I was meant to do because it was really hard. There were days where I would be like so tired, I would cry. And I still wanted to get back out there and do it. I still wanted to be in contact with the food. I still wanted to be learning. It's It just made me feel alive. And so after I graduated culinary school, I did whatever I could to just stay in contact with that feeling. Mm -hmm. So I did pop-ups. I had a catering business. I taught cooking lessons. This was all on the side of This was job. all on the side. Um as I became more and more obsessed with this, yes. um, I rented space from a local pizza shop and cooked early in the morning to make food that I would sell on the weekends. So I'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning, bike over to this kitchen, make food, store it in a refrigerator there, sell it on the weekends at Smorgasburg in Williamsburg. What um, were you making? I was making soups and stews, pastries. I made these amazing like cheddar pastries mm. and pestos and um, different kinds of lemonades and iced teas. And um, I made a rabbit stew every year. Like I just did kind of all of these different really sort of like classic French cooking home, you know, sort of um, like country style French cooking. And uh, again, I was like, this is really hard. I'm getting up so early in the morning and then working and I still want to do it. Like another, it's another signal. It's another signal yes. that I'm on the right path. And it was when I got pregnant with my son Grover that the idea for Splendid Spoon really gelled and came together because when, because during this time of, of like you know, reconnecting with the wonder of food and letting go of those disordered habits that I had come to rely on when I was in college, which were so destructive. I had gone through this really amazing process of like loving food again and loving just the pleasure of of eating. And so much so that I was like, when I got pregnant, I was like, wow, I eat croissants every morning. I have a quart of duck fat in my fridge to fry everything in. Maybe I need to like eat a carrot every once in a while. <laughs> and, you know, it's such a moment when you are pregnant to reflect on how you take care of yourself because now you're not just taking care of yourself. Right, it, there's right. this other human being in there. And um, I started doing what women do when they're pregnant, Googling, you know, like prenatal care and looking into vitamins and um, how much folate is in this, how much calcium is in this. And it started to kind of like tip back into all of those overwhelming negotiations that I would have had when I had an eating disorder. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back into that place. And I have found what I really want to do. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to build my own business. I want it to be connected to food and people. That is my focus. I'm not going to let this get in the way. Um, and so I started a business that was a solution to my eating problem. This was while you were pregnant. While I was pregnant, yeah. And so I, I chose to really focus on just one meal a day. So in the midst of my busy day, my lunch was often very forgettable. It seemed like a really ripe opportunity to get more from it. So I made these vegan soups for myself and I had them every day for lunch. And I sat down and kind of like shut off my computer and was quiet for like 10 minutes while I yeah. ate. Yeah. And it literally changed my 
life. Like it changed how I engaged with food. It gave me freedom from all of those negotiations in the middle of the day so I could just get back to work. And it relaxed my whole outlook on healthy eating. And I knew that that was something especially other women needed, that there needed to be a much more relaxed perspective on taking care of yourself um, and that you could achieve it with wholesome food like you would make for yourself at home, like your mom would make for your, for you. Um, and that was really like that was the seed from which Splendid Spoon came from, that these small changes every day really can be a big shift in your life. At what point did you quit your job? Did you incorporate? Come yeah. up with a name? Yeah. So I had quit my job a little bit before Splendid Spoon actually mm -hmm. came to be like an LLC. Um, I mean, and actually what happened was in that period of like catering and I had started a business called Sea Bean Goods with my ex. Um, so he was my boyfriend at the time. He helped me at Smorgasburg. For a little bit, he was cooking in the kitchen really early with me. And then, you know, we decided that we didn't work so well together after we got married. Um, the business and the lunch component of the business had started to be a lot more time consuming. So we agreed that I would leave my full time job and focus on that full time. And it was a few months later after I had become pregnant that then the idea for Splendid Spoon came to be. So it was really it was kind of like two years, this this really important two-year experimental phase mm -hmm. where I was working full-time still. I had this business, but it wasn't really like f a fully formed business concept yet. Mm -hmm. But they were really formative years so that I had the conviction, the clarity, the focus to then start Splendid Spoon. How did you come up with the name? I wanted it to be – I wanted the spoon to be in the name because the spoon is the only utensil that picks up its food. Um, your fork, your knife is like poking and prodding and slicing and, you know, like that was kind of how I had felt in the darker times mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. my relationship with food and I wanted to felt, feel taken care of. Yes. Like to me, that's how, that's the real purpose of food. That's the magic of food is that it takes care of you and that it fuels you. Um, so I knew I wanted spoon in the name and then I just like alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> I had been an English major the first year at college, and I've always been really just fascinated by wordplay. Um, and there aren't that many words that <laughs> are alliterative with spoon. Um, and Splendid just felt like this sort of fun – it was like elevated but also fun, um, a little bit aspirational. And I just liked saying it, Splendid Spoon. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I definitely think you you uh, landed on the right name. Um, did you have to raise money to start the business? So in the beginning, um, in the very, very beginning, like when we were doing Smorgasburg, we just put like a couple thousand dollars mm -hmm. into a bank account and um, grew from the sales of catering and, you know, very, very, very slowly. Yes. And then – very early on in Splendid Spoon, I was speaking at an event and um, met the buyers at Fresh Direct. Mm -hmm. And they were my very first, like, real account. And the reason I didn't have to raise money very early on is because I had a really great payment situation with them. They paid me before I had to pay my vendors. That's great. So my cash management, although it was very much hand-to-mouth – 
didn't require me to raise capital. I did eventually start raising friends and family angel. But yeah, in the beginning, I didn't. What were you doing for Fresh Direct in the early days? I So I spoke at this event at Brooklyn Brewery. Um, I'll never forget because I was pregnant with Grover and two of the buyers were there. It just so happened that Fresh Direct was across the street from the incubator kitchen that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a sign. That should like I should just walk right over to them and and ask them to try my my soups, and they were really interested in having unique brands with relationships to local farms. So I did a local asparagus soup just for them, and it was very intense. <laughs> <laughs> so I had met them in March, um, 2013, and then had my first PO in April 2013. That was I fast. Had Rover May third, and then my first delivery to Fresh Direct was like three weeks later, the end of May. So that began this sort of like wild pace and ride that I have not gone off of yet. <laughs> Coming up, Nicole proves she's an actual superwoman and a very appropriate surprise. I know the first few months um, of when you got the fresh direct order was just a wild time. You had just given birth to your first child, and I know <laughs> that you have uh, another child as well. What was what was that like, and how has your children played a role in this business? Yeah, for me, my personal story and my experience as a mom really is very intertwined to how I function as a leader and an entrepreneur. Um, it's like totally braided together in my everyday life. And, you know, early on, the memory that is actually strongest for me is when I went into labor with Grover, I had a post-it note that had a list on it of things that I needed to do in order to make that first order with Fresh Direct. So it was like, um, make sure that the asparagus was delivered from Long Island, um, set up Megan, who at the time was like this part time, <laughs> like a temp that mm-hmm. I had who was helping me print labels, like make sure she knows how to print the labels, um, order the containers. It was like four things on a post-it note. And I'll never forget going into like starting to get contractions for the first time yeah. and going through that post-it note, making sure everything was there. And like in the back of my mind saying, like, after I have this baby, this is what I need to do next. And I also remember having a conversation with my best friend saying, I'm so looking forward to giving birth because I'll have this whole day in the hospital, like, just kind of on my own, like, just in this world to take a break from working, honestly, because it was it was really hard. And she was like, I don't think anyone has ever said that. (laughs) Like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, that you're looking forward to your labor so that you have time to just focus on that and and just focus on you. I was like, I don't know. It's just that was my – and that was my perspective. It was like I was looking forward to it, not as like an escape necessarily, but like I just – I was really like looking forward to it. I think it really helped me to have an easy birth, honestly, um, and – 
I feel that way about my relationship with my kids and my work, that both are really intense, but they're kind of on opposite sides. They're like two sides of the same coin for me, both really intense. I love them deeply. And sometimes they make me crazy, like both of them. And so I can kind of go from one to the other um, every day. And it that experience really balances me. It's part of who I am. So the day after I gave it, it, and it happened, like I had a really amazing natural childbirth that couldn't have gone any better. I was so fortunate and I was able to walk out of the hospital like the next morning, um, wow. drive, <laughs> drive back to Brooklyn with my new baby. <laughs> um, my parents were there and we all went to my kitchen so that I could do all the things on that post-it note. <laughs> that was – so you gave birth and then the next day yeah. you started working. The very next – literally the next day I went to the restaurant supply store and I was like – You are is... like superwoman. I felt like superwoman. I mean I literally <laughs> felt like superwoman. I was like, this is fucking cool. Sorry. I was – I just – that's how I felt. I was like, this is really amazing. Like I literally just had a baby and now I get to go work on this other project that is kind of like my first baby. And it, I did. I felt like superwoman. <laughs> Well, I think now is actually a really good time because we got you a gift. Um, it's actually in your entrepreneurial oh, swag cool. bag. This is something that Stephanie and I like to do. We like to surprise and delight our guests. It's something we recommend our clients do with their audience online. Amazing. Um, and the, actually, the the gift is really is really the hat. So you have oh my all God. the entrepreneurista stuff, but I love it. We got you a girl power hat, which it happens to really match perfectly your really outfit. Well with my outfit. <laughs> I, I didn't think you have should a, put it on right a, now. A top bun. It'll look ridiculous with my top. <laughs> oh bun. my God! It's, it's like perfect. Like... It's perfect. Well, it's a girl power hat, and if I love anyone. It. it really has it's showed like, me like that they have a ton of ton of power and resilience <laughs> it's you to give birth and then just go straight to work is really unreal like i i don't have kids but as you mentioned running a business is like your it's your baby it's your baby uh, it totally is it's, it's for you it's it's your firstborn it was my firstborn um, yeah <laughs> Uh, so how do you – I guess how do you balance the two lives, you know, mm. being a mother versus, you know, being a, a, being a business owner? Do I you mean, bring the kids to work? Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> totally sure you do. The, the kids have always come to work with me. Um, you know, one of the beautiful things about becoming a mom is that it really helped me to let go, trust others, and delegate. I would not – I just wasn't that way before I had kids. Yeah. I was a lot more sort of like – you know, like controlled yes, and like things have yes, to be a certain yes. way. And if it's not done my way, then it's wrong. And I would get like stuck in a cycle of disappointment, like very unproductive. Um, having kids and a business, you know, I had my second baby. I was pregnant when Grover was nine months. So I got pregnant for a second time. And, and my marriage also was not where I wanted it to be. Um, and so I ended up getting a divorce. And so much of my story from 2013 to 2015 was this like, growth period for me of like really acknowledging that my life is not perfect. It will never be perfect. I You cannot have it all. 
balance is just a, an idea. It's a series of choices that you're constantly making and evolving along the way. And it's a lot better when you have people around you to help you and support you yes. and be your cheerleader, yes. be on your side. And that process of prioritizing and letting go helped me to open up and find my people and appreciate the people who would, you know, like my family, appreciate my people, my, my family in the way that they had always been like my number one fans and even my ex, you know, like even though that was a really, really painful process, we formed a new kind of partnership that now is like incredibly respectful. I would not change it. Is he still involved in the business? He's not involved in the business. Um, He's on the cap table because like the first few thousand dollars that went in came out of his savings account. Um, And he helped us very early on, you know, in that sort of two year in between period when we had a catering business and the pop ups, he was doing the logos and really thinking about the branding. And um, so, you know, he has he has some ownership of the business and. He's a cheer. I mean, he orders it. Like he bring. He, he, that's what he has for lunch um, and breakfast. It's is splendid spoon. And we all came into the city together this morning so that um, I could drop off Grover at his school and be here on time, and he could take Caleb to his school. So it's given me just a lot more flexibility of like what does fulfillment, satisfaction look like for Nicole, not for anybody else. And what would you say were the biggest challenges in in the early days? Just going, like continuing to go, honestly. Like in the early days, you're kind of crazy, right? Like that by – because you keep doing the same thing and hitting a wall and hoping that it will change. I think that's like the the definition of insanity basically. Yeah, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Expecting a different result. But that is – like kind of the experience. I mean, you're not doing the same thing over and over again. You're changing it, but you're still getting, for me at least, I was getting the door slammed in my face all the time. I was messing yeah. up all the time. And as human beings, we're, we need validation yes. to feel good and to feel like you're on the right track. And I think there is a funny sort of like condition that entrepreneurs have where they don't get discouraged. Like I didn't, I was discouraged, but I was able to be like, oh, but there, th- tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Or this is the silver lining or this is what I've learned. And it's a really transformative process. At what point did you start building your team? Who did you hire first? My very first hire was Renee. And this was when I was – this was that same year. I was really figuring out that yeah. I needed help. Yes, yes. <laughs> All the signals were coming. Um, what year is this? This was 2014. 14, okay. And Renee worked with me at a handful of events. I found her through the NYU Food Studies program. So it was important to me to have someone who was passionate about food yeah. and um, had a similar sort of like, you know, heartfelt approach to her work. And she did. I mean, Renee is all heart and she works so hard at everything that she does because of it. So she worked for me at a couple of events doing tastings and things like that. A couple of weeks before Caleb was born, I was like, I really need to have someone on my staff to help me manage the incubator kitchen and step in as I look for the right co-packer, try to raise capital, all of that. And I asked Renee to work for me. So she was my very first hire. 
And what exactly was she doing for you? Everything. everything. <laughs> she just did everything. I mean, Renee has done everything. Is she still with you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. She leads our food product development. How now. many people are you now? Twelve. And you're based out of where's your office? And we're in Williamsburg. Um, we have a couple people who are satellite remote um, customer experience and um, office management. But, yeah, the core crew is sits in Williamsburg. And I know you've evolved outside of soup. Yeah. Now you have smoothies. Yeah. And now you have, what do you call them, the sip, sippers? Or? The sippables. Sippables. Yeah, 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 yeah. The so sippables. we have our lighter soups are, are also in bottles right now. And they're – we call them sippables. Do you um, – or did you heat those up? So they're better heated up in a mug. Yeah. yeah. Like my favorite is the fennel consomme. I pour Ooh. it into a mug and sip it. Like it's kind of instead of a latte or something. I don't drink coffee anymore yeah. actually. So it's like a really nourishing afternoon snack. I love it. Definitely need to try that. So what would you say your biggest challenge is now? You have 12 people. Mm. What are your um, – what are you currently – what's currently going on at Splendid Spoon? I mean just shifting into – new responsibilities and helping the team to be comfortable with that constantly changing, evolving dynamic. That's definitely the biggest challenge because as a startup, as a fast growing consumer business, you grow and change yes. more quickly. It, yes. Like the evolution, it's like dog years or something, yes. you know, every yes. year with a startup is like seven somewhere For else. Sure. Like you just, it requires a lot more resilience and flexibility. Um, and we work on that every single day. You know, everyone is having to figure out different ways to delegate their projects out to the right partners, evaluate partners so that they can then move on to bigger things themselves. How do you keep everyone motivated um, and open to change? Because I find that sometimes people are not open to change. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think probably – I mean I just bring that energy every day. Like I try to just be the example. Mm -hmm. I'm walking into the office every day is there two – I have two favorite moments every day. Walking into the office where I have my team, the opportunity to uncover things, solve problems, laugh, yeah. like get excited yeah. about what we're building and then walking into my home at the end of the day to my kids. Like those mm -hmm. are my two favorite moments every day and I get them every single day. And I just try to live that for my team. Um, and I think I think that's the best way to lead. Like, I don't try to tell them how to be, but I try to set an example. Up next, an incredible five years and attention to sustainability and a brainstorm. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed. It's going to be an exciting 2019, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com.
What is the ultimate vision for Splendid Spoon? <laughs> Where do you want to see this company in five to 10 years? So today, Splendid Spoon is solving for the stress of healthy eating during the nine to five. So I can tell like... you it's very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> deciding what to eat deciding for lunch. Ugh, yeah. I do not. That's a moment I don't enjoy. Yeah, well, and you so know, so I gotta order Splendid Spoon. Do you? So, do you? How how often do you think you think about food? All the time. All the time. It All adds time. up to over two hours a day. Oh my the average goodness. person thinks about food for over two hours a day, which is thirty five days over the course of a year. So. Like, that's a huge amount of time every year, mm-hmm. and I am motivated by that every day. It's like, what would people do if they could get that time back? And that's really central to the mission of Splendid Spoon because when you can trust a brand to take care of your food during your busiest moments, you free yourself from all of those unproductive negotiations in the middle of your day and your cognitive ability really does improve. Like we can only make so many decisions over the course of the day. If you form a practice where you are not negotiating and you are choosing something that you have confidence will fuel you in the best way possible, you can dedicate all of that brain energy into like taking over the world if you want to. Um, and that's like that's what I did. I mean, in five years, it was I started the business, I pivoted the business, I built a team, I had two babies, I wrote a book, I got a divorce, I changed my relationship with my ex into a co-parenting relationship, I raised venture capital, we built the business to over a million dollars a month with less than two million dollars in funding. Um, you know, so we were over a ten million dollar business with six people, like. Enormous things happen when you take those little unproductive moments out of your life and you free yourself to just focus on the big things. So that's what Splendid Spoon is all about. It's like I want to relieve the stress of eating from as many people as possible (laughs) so they can get back to like the big things that are going to change this world. What would you say was the key to growing so quickly? How did you get the word out about the brand? I mean, there was a really – so the first two years were such a grind for me. And at the end of the second year, it was just me and Renee and kind of like our part-time kitchen staff. And I knew I needed kind of like a number two. And so – I hired someone out of Warren who had gone through Techstars, and he was really um, focused on marketing, really passionate about D2C. And with him, we pivoted the business into direct-to-consumer. So that was a huge inflection point for the business. No longer were we feeling like doors were being slammed in our face. Suddenly, it was clicking for people. And that was – you know, that's something that I think is really important as an entrepreneur – And part of that resilience and not giving up is like there is a path for everyone and and that growth is there. It changes. You know, like we're changing that now um, also. But that was the very first inflection point where we had that product market fit. People were understanding it. People were buying it. People were coming back to us. How did you communicate that message to your end consumer? It was through it was through my story with press. It was through um, a really very, very small sample advertising budget on Facebook. Um, 
And it was through constantly improving the product and repeat. Like just we just kept doing that. Are most of your orders through your website? Yeah. So now the we still work with Fresh Direct because we love Fresh Direct. Um, but 99.9% of our orders are through SplendidSpoon.com. So you order on Splendid Spoon. Um, we ship to every state in the continental U.S. So we have customers truly in every state all over the U.S. Um, we're absolutely not like just in New York, which is amazing. Super, super important to me. And how are you marketing the company now? Uh, newsletter, Instagram, as in 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 real life events, you know, like speaking on panels. Yeah, um, that's how I heard uh, heard about Splendid Spoon. Oh, really? Event. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think I've really embraced more that I live this lifestyle that people are really interested in. And so as much as I can talk about it, write about it, I love writing. Um, that is that is a great way for us to get the word out because people yes. want to see the people behind a brand. It's not it's absolutely not just about products anymore. It can't be. She's not drinking enough. a I know you can't see this, but she's drinking <laughs> a smoothie right now. So she absolutely true. is practicing when she preaches. What it's are you true. drinking? This is our A B and J. So strawberries, bananas, almond butter, coconut nectar, baobab powder, which is a Brazilian powder that mm, has protein. I'm sure it's delicious. Um, pea protein, Himalayan salt. How often are you launching something new? We have quarterly product launches. So we have a bunch of really yummy new smoothies coming out um, for spring in the next couple of weeks. And then we have some really interesting new meal formats coming out in the summertime. Um, and we're always kind of looking at what people are requesting, what people love, mm -hmm. what people don't love. That's the beauty also of a direct-to-consumer brand. Like you get information really quickly about what people are interested in. Uh, something that we like to do is a brainstorm mm. where we'll put 60 seconds on the clock okay. and um, you'll ask a question and we'll brainstorm just different ideas. Is there anything in particular that you would want to collaborate with, brainstorm about? I do have a question. So yes. we have been – we love posting UGC. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times – I mean the reality of the product is busy people are like microwaving it in the container or in a mug. It's not like super fancy looking yeah, yeah. and taking a photo of it. And w people are really accustomed to beautiful styled yes. photos on platforms like Instagram. Do you have any ideas on how to – like, do we accept that? Do we run a contest to inspire like more beautiful UGC content? What I would love your thoughts on that. Yes. All right. Let's put 60 seconds on the <laughs> clock. Ready, set, go. Uh, something that we typically do to inspire UGC is exactly what you just said, a contest. Mm. You know, really motivate people to take the types of pictures that you want to see because obviously, you know, content is king on all social media networks, particularly Instagram. And if the more content you have your customers producing, the better it is for you. Mm -hmm. It makes your marketing and content production much more cost effective. But as you mentioned, the beauty of your product is that it's on the go. You know, you don't have to 
think about what utensils or plates to、mm-hmm. put it in. You're you're living these busy lifestyles. So、um, one way to、uh, incentivize, you know, different types of pictures is to just run campaigns about what types of pictures you you want to see.、Mm-hmm. Also, work with influencers. Partner with content creators, maybe、mm-hmm. micro influencers. Give them product. Maybe give them、um, a commission on any product that、mm-hmm. they they help you sell because、mm-hmm. they're the type of posters on Instagram、mm-hmm. who are going to post the types of pictures that you want to repurpose for your Instagram channel. I love that. That's good. Glad, glad I could help. Glad I could help. Great. Hopefully, hit the time here. Hear that, But、um, influencer marketing, <laughs> especially with the smaller up and coming influencers, they、um, are going to create the co- types of content you want to see. I love that. Uh, thank you. Thank I'm you. glad. I'm glad.、Thank、totally、you. glad I could help.、Um, and then, in terms of your lifestyle now, what is a typical day in the life、mm. like? And I know you look forward to going to work, and I know you、yeah. look forward to going to your kids. But、yeah. what happens in between that time? Well, the morning is a really important time for me to start on the right foot. So I aim to meditate every single morning. I try、um, to do that too. Yep. I don't. Because of just the shuffle with kids and boyfriend and life, sometimes I don't do it like first thing in the morning.、Yeah. But I will always do it. If I don't do it at home, I do it as soon as I get into the office. Good.、Um, How long? Twenty minutes. Twenty. Yeah, I try to do twenty minutes too. Yeah, yeah. Twenty. It's like twenty to thirty minutes usually. And I have a wholesome breakfast. So whether it's a splendid spoon smoothie or a lot of times I have soup. Um, I make my kids their lunch, something that I really enjoy doing. Again, it's like food is that source for me to take care of people. Are you sending them to school with Splendid Spoon? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and they like the smoothies for an after-school That's snack. That's so cute. Yeah, it is really cute. Um, they Grover definitely has his favorites. He, he, this morning he was like, "That's not the chocolate one, is it? Because that one's the one that I like."、Um, so yes, they definitely eat Splendid Spoon.、Um, and then. I try to be really present to dropping off my kids at school. So the older one usually goes with their dad, with his dad, and then the younger one comes with me. And I love that sort of fifteen-minute walk to school where we're chatting and being silly or having an argument. <laughs> you know,、mm-hmm. like I just try to really sink into it because、yeah. I already know it goes by so so fast. How old are they now? Four and five. So Grover will be six in May, and it's a just a very very special time for me. And then it's also a feeling of triumph once he's like in the door at school and、yeah. and happily playing and working with his friends and his teachers. And I have a whole new sort of opportunity to be just Nicole、mm-hmm. and not Mom Nicole, and that's really powerful for me. And then I go to work and I'm just like in it. That's when I'm in my flow. Um, I have meetings. I have strategy work. I have interviews、um, with press. I have interviews with new members of the team who we're trying to hire. I have planning sessions for you know like how to launch a product or、um, capitalize the business, and it's different every single day. It's totally different. I love that I get to be in different places. So. Sometimes I'm in my office in Williamsburg. Sometimes I start the day in Manhattan.、Um, I love all of that. And then, if I'm with my kids, I do split my time with my kids、um, with my ex. If I don't have them, I love to do a hot yoga class. 
That's like one of my special treats to myself. And if I do have them, I go in the home morning at night. It? Okay, at I night. usually do in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I go home and we make dinner and and we hang and they usually go to bed. I read to them and they go to bed around eight thirty and then I'll you know plow through some communications or a couple projects and and go to bed and we do it again the next day. <laughs> what do you think keeps you motivated and inspired? My team and my kids, people, it's, it's always people for me. It's, it's people and food. I mean, it's like, it's people and my senses and food for me is the strongest medium because it ignites all of my senses. So, um, being with my team and then tasting new things like that is still something that I just get really jazzed about. I love it. I love planning to go to a new restaurant. I love What's um, your favorite restaurant in in New York? Uh well, I'm really lucky. I live around the corner from this place called Four Horsemen, which is natural wines and the most amazing homemade bread and butter and, bread uh, and butter. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, My it's guilty a really pleasure. it's a really special place. Um yeah, and I'm not vegan, but I have this vegan food company and so when I eat out, uh that's usually the time that I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the shrimp with the yeah. head on it and yum, the yum, yum. Vietnamese sauce to dip it in. Do you uh find that you don't have time to cook anymore or be in the kitchen? I definitely cook. I mean, I fully rely on Splendid Spoon yes. during the day, 100%. Like, I actually don't know what I would eat if I wasn't eating Splendid Spoon probably 80% of the time. Um, and then at the end of the day, I do cook still, but it's not nearly as involved as it used to be before I had kids. That's for sure. I do love to do a cooking project with them on the weekends, though. And uh, so many companies are thinking about sustainability. How are you engaging in sustainability? Well, we're Um, always looking at different ways to just reduce our footprint. So um, reducing the amount of the size of the boxes is something that we did. Um, Changing our insulation to something that uses 100% – like recycled denim as the insulation instead of plastic, oh, for cool. example. Um, thinking about ways to reduce the amount of packaging of plastic in each package. Um, these are all sort of like ideas that are, are constantly floating around. It's it's hard with the convenient food um, and the way that we manufacture and the way that we ship, right? So, but always. how long does it last typically? Once it's so, at my door and my refrigerator. In your home. fridge, um, we say to eat it within a week or you can freeze it for up okay. to a month. Um, and most of them, by, from the day that they land, they'll last for a couple weeks, like easily a couple weeks in your fridge. That's great. Which is really good. Yeah. And I mean, that's an important point. The food waste is really, really low on our end. So, you know, one of the problems with grocery stores is that 30% of what's going into a grocery store ends up back in the landfill. Because of the way that they market and um, the just the turns. So with a prepared product like ours, we're able to use all of the vegetable, you know. And because it's soup, we're, there's even more higher yield from the vegetables because the vegetables don't have to be perfect. Yeah. They're being yeah. chopped and, and cut. Um, and same with, with the smoothies. So really, really low food waste. And uh, what is – I guess if you had one or two tips you would want to share with our listeners, what would those be? 
Mm, for like healthy living and for healthy living or for starting a business mm. maybe one for starting a business and one for healthy living okay um for starting a business i would say just i mean for me again mission based founder like i didn't go into this thinking i was going to like make it big yeah um i'm doing this because the process is really fulfilling for me and i think that there's a need like that i can actually help people so for anybody that falls into that category i would say really like listen to your heart listen to the things that have inspired you that make you feel alive and keep following that it'll never it'll it will never be wrong like that Mm -hmm. voice is always right Mm -hmm. and then for like healthy living I really think that ritual, that whatever that grounding ritual is for you, whether you're running a business or running a household or, you know, trying to figure out what your path is, those stressful moments can really derail you. And if you find a grounding ritual, whether it's with tea or soup, every day go back to it and it will become so strong that those stressful moments will not take over anymore there will just be like a cloud floating through the sky i love that uh and then something else we always ask is what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you <laughs> it means blazing your own trail yes. doing things your way yes so thank you so much for the awesome gift and i would love to give back to you guys and all of your awesome listeners with a nice discount on a splendid spoon order so if you go to splendid.to slash entrepreneurista you will get fifty dollars off your first order check it out yeah (laughs) thank you thank you you're welcome Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Courtney, and this is the best business meeting we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 